Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. like this. Let me just read it to you. Uh, I'll prom- I don't know if I'll read the whole thing yet, but it says, I will sing of your faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. He's starting off this psalm because this is, if your uh, Bible has headings over it, like mine says, a vow of integrity. And that's what this is about. David is making these statements. I will, I shall, I want uh, uh, statements of his personal and public life. But it starts off with, I will sing of your faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. Because what he's doing is right there, and and it's tying into the worship set, because all of those things, the goodness of God, the way maker, the king of my heart, we crown you, gratitude, those are all reminding God of the covenant that he made with us. You are good. You are good. Right? Like, and David, David starts off, I will sing of your faithful love and justice. And that faithful love and justice is reminding God of the covenant. Where, where David is going, hey, look, I'm going to praise your name. Because I remember the covenant that you made with my forefathers. And then he goes, I will sing praise to you, Lord. All caps. He calls him Yahweh. He's, he's reminding them. Remember when you met Moses in the burning bush and they said, you, Moses, go to your people. And he said, who do I tell them that you are? And he said, tell them that I am. He's reminding God. He's reminding Yahweh of the covenant. When we sing these songs, your goodness run in after me. The goodness of God, it chases me down, pursues me. Like what we're saying is, God, remember that covenant that you made with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You'll never turn your back on me. You'll never reject me. Like, that's what we're doing, and that's what we're singing. And we start Psalm 101 right in that same vein right there. I'm going to read all of Psalm 101. It should be up on the screens. Uh, we're, we're reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Your, your versions may say some words a little bit different. We'll try to touch on those uh, big words that do say that differently as we get into the message. But it says, I will sing a faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity in my house. I will not let anything worthless guide me. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. A devious heart will be far from me. I will not be involved with evil. Verse 5. I will destroy anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. My eyes, favor the, my eyes favor the faithful of the land so that they may sit down with me. The one who follows the way of integrity may serve me. Verse 7. No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace. And the one who tells lies will not be retained here to guide me. And last verse. Every morning I will destroy all of the wicked of the land. Wiping out all the evildoers evil from the Lord's city. Father, we just thank you for your word right now. Pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us, lead us and guide us. That your Holy Spirit would reveal the truth of your word, the truth of your character to us. May we see you for who you are. May we, as your word says, with unveiled faces, see you. 
In your name we pray. Amen. I try to summarize the passage and then give one point. This one's a little wordier. Uh, I apologize for that, but don't worry. I will say it at least seven times in the message and you will get it. I thought about putting it up there and then I forgot. Whatever. Here's how you summarize it. Our actions, attitudes, and choices matter to God. And a life characterized, I told you it was long, and a life characterized by integrity brings glory to God and blesses those around us. Our actions, attitudes, and choices matter to God, and a life characterized by integrity brings glory to God and blesses those around us. Living a holy or godly life is not something that will happen naturally. Like you just wake up every morning and you're like, Man, the Lord is good. Here we go. Like You have to like set your mind to it. it. It's contrary to human nature. It's contrary to the desires of our flesh. Our flesh seeks to satisfy us. And so if we're going to live a life of holiness, of godliness, a life of integrity, then that means that we have to purpose in our mind that we're going to be that. Daniel, if, if you all remember Daniel chapter 1, uh, let me just see if I can turn there quickly. I'm still not happy with this new Bible. I'm trying to work it in quick, but here we go. This is Daniel where, where they're, they're in captivity in Babylon, him and his friends. But verse, uh, they, they had requirements that they had to eat, drink, and do all these things. And it says that Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So he asked permission from the chief, chief eunuch not to defile himself. But it says that Daniel determined... He didn't just haphazardly come up with it. It says that he determined, he purposed, he rehearsed, he made up his mind. We live in a world that is corrupt and sin infested. We have to determine, purpose, rehearse, and make up our mind that we are going to be people of integrity and holiness and godliness. You will not wake up tomorrow morning. Go, go sit in that drop-off line. Go sit in that morning traffic. Go sit wherever you're going to sit. Go, go to work. You will not do that if you didn't and, and serve God and live a life of holiness, godliness, and integrity if you don't wake up tomorrow morning and say, Father, use me in every way that you can. You have to purpose it. You have to rehearse it. David made these commitments in Psalm 101, but we know that David was human just like all of us. He failed many times. But what you see is that when David failed, he repented. When David failed, he, he made it right. He repurposed his heart to live a life that's pleasing to God. And that's why I think he starts off in Psalm, Psalm 101, verse 1, where he says, Hey, I will sing of your faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Yahweh. Because he's saying, he knows he's about to make these commitments. Hey, I... I'm, I'm going to let nothing worthless pass before my eyes. I'm not going to slander. I'm going to surround myself with godly people. And if they're not godly, then I'll get rid of them. He's about to say this, but he's also saying, hey, but remember that covenant that you made with me. Because these words that are about to follow are to the best of my ability, with the best heart and intention that I can, but I'm going to fail even in these words. And so he's saying, don't, don't forget me because your faithful love and justice uh, maybe the NIV, I think, says his mercy and his justice. So that we're going to say these things. We're, and hopefully that like the Holy Spirit leads you to, to one of these commitments and say, okay, yeah. But what we're saying is, but, but I can't do it on my own. And I don't 
when I fail, I want to remind you, Father, that you are a good Father, that you always restore. That, 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 yeah, there might be conviction, there might be hard times, but it's always with the purpose to restore. David is saying that God is loving, he's merciful, he's faithful, and he's just. We've all fallen short. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve it. So we make these commitments, and we, we've probably said, maybe not these exact words, but we've said things very similar to this, and we fall short. And, and what the word that he uses is that he is, I will sing of your faithful love and, and your justice. Because the, the, the justice is not just, like, the English word of justice really means just really revenge, Right? Like when we, when we think, oh, I'm going to get justice for this. We're really talking about like, hey, that person cut me off and so they're going to have a flat tire or get pulled over by the police, right? I mean, that's what y'all are thinking too. Me too, right? To me, that is justice, right? Justice has been served, but it's not really like the Hebrew word for justice is not just dealing with punishment, but it's also dealing with rewarding for righteousness. So he's saying, hey, I will sing of your faithful love and your justice to where, yeah, I am going to sin and I am going to fall short. But the good news is that, that, that God is just and he will have justice where one, every sin will be paid for. Every sin has been paid for. Every sin will be dealt with. And whether you, if you repent, return back to, to God, then that sin has been forgiven and paid for by Jesus Christ. If you choose not to do that, if you choose not to live a life of repentance and you reject God, and that sin will still be dealt with and there will be justice and you will have a lifetime of eternity separated from the Father. If you never choose to come into relationship with him, but every sin will be paid for. But also David is saying, hey, and I know that you're just, that when, when we walk in these ways, I will see the goodness of God. He knew he could never have lived up to these commitments. But it did not affect where his heart was. David can make these commitments because God is merciful, he's loving, he's faithful, and he's just. That when we fall short, that God is not there to judge, but he is there to restore. It's a lot of holiness, godliness, integrity talk, right? Woohoo! First time guests are like, Thanks. man, should have just come where, I thought this was grace. And what, what happens is like, we have these wide, broad spectrums in Christianity when we begin to talk about holiness and integrity and uh, godliness where it's like, hey, man, every sin has been forgiven. You, the, you've got freedom to do whatever you want. The Lord will forgive, right? And they'll misquote passages and say, hey, where sin abounds, grace superabounds, right? Like, hey, it's better to what? Ask for forgiveness than permission. Like, that's in our mindset. And so you have this where it's like, hey, just... Free will, like it's almost like a hippie type of Christianity, like God is love and everything's good and it'll all be made right in the end. You have, you have pastors that are like, hey, even at the end, you'll still get a chance, right? Like there is no hell, like God, a loving God would not do that, right? And it's like, I'm sorry, where, where did you read that in here? But they, 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 they preach it, they write books about it, they're bestsellers about it. And it's like, no, because it, it sounds good. But then you come to the other side of the spectrum where it's religion and holiness. And you have to strive and earn your way into heaven. And man, there's no way that you're ever going to be able to do it. And like, yeah, I know the Bible is good, but let's add in. 
you need to wear your Sunday best. And, and uh, there's no, Pastor Mike will know this, one of our elders, right? The old saying from the 50s, maybe you weren't there, maybe you were, we're not going to judge you, right? But like, it's like, don't drink or smoke or hang out with those who do, right? Chew or hang out with those that do. Because it's, it's this idea of like, it's religion. And like, if you do those things, then there's no way that you can ever get to God because it says, for, be holy, for he is holy. And so it's like we're trying to combine the grace message with the holiness message. And the truth is, you don't, those are two different gospels. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're after here, where there is both grace and mercy, where there's holiness, there's justice and righteousness, where there is sin, but his grace abounds even more. That's where we're trying to go because if you go over here where it's holiness and religion and stuffed upness being stuffy and churches that are just like, man, they're dead and they're just a bunch of people in very nice suits judging everybody that walks in. Hey, when was the last time you were here? Hey, are you, have you been tithing? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And it becomes religion because they, they think that that's holiness. We have to come back. To what Jesus preached. Because you can't be one or the other. It has to be. Those are different gospels. The gospel of Jesus Christ teaches that we are to live in such a way that brings glory and honor to him. But yet when we fall short, there is grace and there is mercy. Healing and forgiveness. Where there is brokenness, there is wholeness. Where there is hurt, there is healing. I mean, look at the words of Jesus where he said... He said, if you love me, then you'll obey me. That's a call to holiness. He, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he said, come to me all who are weary, heavy burdened. Right? He's talking about those that have been strapped down with religion and holiness. Come to me for my burden is easy. My yoke is light. He didn't say, come to me and you don't have a burden and you don't have a yoke to carry. No, he said, come to me because mine is easy and mine is light. So there's still a call to holiness. It's just not loaded down with religion. You get to carry grace and mercy, healing and forgiveness. I mean, First John 5, 3, John is writing, right? The, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he says, obey his commands. But his, oh, his commands are not burdensome. You see, there, there, is a, there are religious commands that are burdensome. But his commands are not burdensome. But, but he still has commands. We, we want to take out holiness and godliness and integrity. Because we want to be able to do what we want to do. And then at the end of it, we say, in the name of Jesus. And we think that we've got the stamp of approval because we can say that. I mean, look at John, uh, John 8, 11, when, when the woman is brought into adultery, that, that was caught in adultery, is brought before Jesus. Y'all probably know the story. You know, he says, hey, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. And one by one, they all put their stones down and they walk away. Jesus' last words to that lady that we know, he says, go your way and sin no more. He didn't say, go your way. Hey, look at that. Everything's good now. I took care of it all. He said, go your way and sin no more. He did not dismiss the sin. 
He just knew that on his body and by his blood, it was already paid for. So there is a call to holiness that we have to have. If you love me, you will obey me. John 14, 15. What that means is that if you love me, your love for me will be the power that you need to fulfill my commands. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love him, your love for him will be the power that you need to fulfill his commands. It won't be striving. It won't be working hard enough. It won't be self-will and determination. It won't be any of those things because all of those things will fall short because they're in your power. But his love is the power to fulfill the commands that he has for us. Our actions and attitudes and choices matter to God. And a life characterized by integrity brings glory to God and blesses those around us. Our goal is holiness, godliness, and integrity. Not so that we have a, a badge to wear and show off to everybody. Oh, look at that. Vicky's arrived. Look at that. She's got her holiness badge. But because what it does is that our goal is holiness, and when we fall short, it points to our need for Jesus even more. We don't strive for holiness so that we get to sit front row, wear our nicest, and get a pulpit and be the ones that get to talk. But what it is is it's because when we fall short, we see a, a desperate need for Jesus Christ again. Verse 2. This is good. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity in my house. David is making a commitment to like essential private behaviors. He's doing this as the king of Israel, but these things aren't just for David. These are for every Christ follower. I mean, where, where we're about to go, this isn't just David because he's the king and he's the leader and he's the man in charge. It's because it, this is for every one of us. As a Christ follower, our desire to live lives of holiness and integrity should not be so that we can put it on a display for the public to see. But it should be extended to our inmost beings. Our personal lives should reflect our public. What we are out here should be reflected in our own homes, in our own private dealings. We should be a man of integrity. We should be a woman of integrity, no matter if it's up here, seen by everybody, or if you're at home. Can you imagine if the thoughts, if all of your thoughts were on display for everyone to see? Could you imagine if every word that you ever said was written down and to be read by everyone? And you're like, yeah, that's my private life, yeah, but... But what David is saying is that I want to be a man of integrity so that my public life matches my private life. Holiness and integrity should fill every corner of our heart and the walls of our houses. I like this verse out of Psalm 119, 133. It says, direct my footsteps. Let not sin rule over me. When it says that I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity. So integrity is in there twice on verse 2. 
couple other versions. One will say, I will live with a perfect heart in my house or a blameless heart in my house. So that word means whole or complete. So, so it's not saying like, I'm going to be perfect. It just means I'm going to be whole or complete. That, that Hebrew word is, I will try to say it, but don't judge me, all right? It's ta-mim. It's T-A-M-I-M. Ta-mim. And, and that's the word you spell it with four Hebrew letters. It's tav, mim, yod, mim. These are important because the Hebrew words have pictures associated with them. We, we lose so much out in our English language. Like, we have to get back. Like, and it's really not that hard to, to do the word studies, I promise you. I'm not, you guys have known me for a while. I'm not that intelligent. And so all I do is just kind of study the word and then go, okay, let me look these words up and figure out what this means. But there's this word picture. And what it means is that to be made whole or complete. It's like that, that word tav is, it, it's the picture of like two sticks shaped like a cross. That mem is a word picture of living waters. And then, so it, it goes through here and it says, and, and the, uh, the yod is, is a word that just means like a deed. So something that is done. So something that is done is made perfect by the living waters. So here, here's what that means is that whatever is tamim is confirmed or made secure by living waters that will accomplish the purpose of bringing life. So what David is saying is that I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity in my house. He's saying that I will be made whole and complete, but it won't be because of me. It will be because of the living waters that are living inside of me that will bring about that purpose. So we are called to integrity, to holiness, to blameless lives, but it is not of your own doing. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. You cannot accomplish this on your own. If you could, then we wouldn't be here. Jesus would not have needed to come to die and be crucified, suffer death, raised from the dead, pay for our sins, become our sins, pay for our sins, right? None of that would be necessary, but we're here because it requires the living waters that are in us for that deed to be accomplished in you and through you. It has to come out of you. He makes you perfect. He makes you blameless. He makes you whole. He makes you tamim. It means not double-minded, but singularly focused. Our actions, attitudes, and choices matter to God. And a life characterized by integrity brings glory to God and blesses those around us. Our private life has to match the public life. What people know of us out here, let it be said of us, the same people that know us the best. Have you noticed that, that the more that you get to know somebody, the less you enjoy them? Because you see that they're just as jacked up as you are. You thought, oh, man, I thought you had it all together. You're just like me. And that's true for everyone in this room. If there's anyone in this room you put on a pedestal, just go ahead and take them down. I know it's probably Clinton back there running the words. He runs the words so well. Just take him off that little pedestal. He's just like the rest of us. We're all hurt, broken, and we need that. Our private lives must match it. Verses, the next one's three through five. It, it's essential public behavior. Listen to this first one, verse 3. It says, I will not let anything worthless guide me. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. 
I will not let, or I think the NIV says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Vile, good for nothing, unprofitable. We must be careful what we consume. We must deliberately choose our media, our conversations, and our experiences to ensure that they align with our commitment to God. We live in a corrupt and sin-infested world. And David goes, I will not let anything worthless pass before my eyes. Man, wouldn't, would that change how you entertain yourself? What you watch on TV? What, what books you read? What websites you scroll? But, it, but this isn't just the commitment for David as the king of Israel. This is a commitment for every Christ followers that I will not let anything be set before my eyes that is vile or unprofitable. What we allow in us will come out of us eventually. Uh, we, we moved back to our hometown of Strawn uh, several years ago. Mac, Max was in third grade. Max just moved off to, to college. Uh, and so Mac, Max was in third grade when we, when we moved to Strawn. And uh, man, it was probably the first, maybe first two weeks is if you don't know anything about Strawn, well, you probably know Mary's Cafe. You'll know that. But like Strawn is six-man football, right? Five state championships, really good. We have a rivalry with Gordon, the Longhorns. They're just, just everything that we strive not to be, you know? I'm, jo- I'm joking. <laughs> but it's a, it's a football rivalry, and it's like, man, this is it. We don't want, we don't like them. They're the worst. They're the enemies. And, and I can remember like, we're third grade, like second week into school. Max is third grade. We go to Gordon for like a junior high football game. And they had this, uh, you know how you have the blow up things that you run through the tunnels. And so they had a blow up longhorn, right? Black and gold, the worst colors in the world. Black and gold longhorn. And I mean, third grade Max. He knows nothing of these things. He we pull into the stadium and he sees that longhorn and he goes, man, every time I see that longhorn, I just want to spit. (laughs) He's third grade. Like I just, I mean, I'm like, that's right. Me too. You know, like, Oh, what are we doing? And not really, but maybe. And Lauren's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Oh, we don't like the longhorns. And I'm like, how do you know that? You're in third grade. You've been here two weeks. But, but what it is, it's like what we surround ourselves with, what we allow to pass through our eyes, past our eyes, determine a lot. I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said that whatever we allow before our eyes is very apt to gain entrance into our heart. Oh, you think this might be a harmless show? Oh, oh, there's a little bit of cussing, a little bit of inappropriateness. What you allow in to pass in front of your eyes is very apt to gain entrance into your heart. Oh, everybody else is watching it. I don't care. Daniel didn't care. Daniel determined. He purposed. He rehearsed. He made up his mind. I'm not going to do that. David is saying, I want to live a life of integrity. I will not let anything worthless guide me. What we see in here directly impacts our actions, our attitudes, and our choices. Verse 4, it says, a devious heart will be far from me. 
I will not be involved with evil. Integrity is incompatible with deceit. We must walk in truth and honesty and transparency. I love this out of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is speaking the greatest sermon to ever be recorded. The Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 5. And he's talking to, to the people that have followed him. 33 through 37, it says, Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, You must not break your oath. You must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, be, either by heaven because it is God's throne, or by the earth because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. That's convicting. <laughs> I mean, what, why are we in Psalm 101? Because Jeff Hopkins needs to hear it and the church needs to hear this. We have to be people of honesty because when we are, we reflect the character of God. How can we be trusted if we're not honest? How can we be tr trusted to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus if we're not honest? Verse 5 this is not like an inclusive sermon. Like it, this doesn't cover everything. What this does is this goes, oh man, okay. Holy Spirit just told me something there. Now it's your job to go, all right, Lord, thank you. Thank you. So if, if it seems short, just go, okay. The, the Holy Spirit does more than I can do. I promise you that. He says, I will destroy anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. Living lives of holiness and integrity means treating others with respect and honor and to recognizing their value as uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It says that I will destroy anyone who secretly slanders his neighbor. I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. Slander and gossip destroy more relationships than anything else. There, there was a, a meme on Facebook. It said, can you imagine how many people don't like you because they never heard your side of the story? Can you imagine how many people that aren't liked because they've only heard your side? You haven't allowed the other person to hear. You haven't heard that person that you told the other side of the story. Gossip and slander will drive a wedge between any relationship faster than anything else. I promise you that. We must purpose ourselves to not engage in actions, act, attitudes, and choices that tear down or belittle others. Y'all know what the uh, the Rotary Club is? Y'all hear? Y'all ever hear of that? Somewhere, I, I'm not sure what it is, but they meet. It's monthly, or I think if you're a member of, you got to meet weekly. But I love what they have. They have these rules for for truth and rules for conversations. And listen to this: Is it kind? Is it true? Is it confidential? Is it necessary to share? What, what if we allowed that to be the filter for every word that we speak? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it confidential? Is it necessary to share? By looking at some of you guys out there, you're thinking, man, there'd be a lot less talking. Well, what am I going to say then, Joe? What am I going to talk about? 
if I, don't, if I have to be kind, if it has to be true, if it was confidential. But they, they you know, we're praying for them. Hey, can you pray for Brother Jesse? He's got a gossiping. You know, like, you, have you ever had those prayer requests where you, you share the, the sin of the person, but it's in good, good uh, intention? Hey, you all really need to pray for this person. They're struggling with this. It's like, hey, you could have left that out. Can you imagine if our conversations were guided by the fact that we go, before we say it, we're going to ask ourselves, is it true? Is it kind? Is it confidential? Or is it necessary to share? I think the Peaster Facebook community page could use those as the rules. Man, y'all are driving me nuts with all this stuff. Come on. But how much better would people feel when you talked with them? Have you ever noticed, like, once you, once you like, spew all of that on them, you feel better, but they feel worse? Because they're looking at you like, oh, my gosh. First, they're thinking, man, that person really is messed up. And then they're like, why are you telling me all of this? Why aren't you telling that person? That, that after you spew it, you feel good, but they feel bad. But what if in our conversations that when we left the conversation, that person was encouraged? That person felt that we honored everyone involved. What, what if we just simple rules? Our actions and attitudes and choices matter to God. And a life characterized by integrity brings glory to God and blesses those around us. Y'all got that yet? Living lives of holiness and integrity in a corrupt and sinful world is not easy. It requires a commitment to stay away from anything or anyone that tempts us to fall away from God. It says, I cannot tolerate anyone with haughty eyes or an arrogant heart. Is there anyone or anything that's pulling you away from him? Because if, if there is, I don't care if they're your best friend. If they're pulling you away from him, they're not your best friend. David said, I cannot, I will not tolerate those people. Verses 6 and 7. My eyes favor the faithful of the land so that they may sit down with me. The one who follows the way of integrity may serve me. No one who acts deceitfully will live in my palace. The one who tells lies will not be retained here to guide me. Our choice of companions shapes our character. Who you hang out with shapes your character. There's an old uh, illustration that, that I would use when I was a youth pastor. It would be uh, you take a Ziploc bag and put like a block of cheese and then put onions in there. And you just put them in a Ziploc bag, you know, after a day, two days. And then I would, I would kind of tell them about it one week and then the next week I'd bring it back. And you would open up that bag and you would begin to say, hey, well, you want a piece of cheese? And they're like, yeah. You slice off a piece of cheese, and that piece of cheese tastes just like onions. You see, we didn't mix them together. All they did was hang out for a little bit in a Ziploc bag, and the onions overtook the cheese, right? That's why the word says that what bad company corrupts good morals. Who you hang out with shapes your character. I know, I know. Jesus ate with the sinners. You ain't him. <laughs> and neither am I. 
Yeah, you know? I mean, there, there, is a, there is a part where we go and we minister to the lost, to the hurt, the broken. We bring them into a right relationship with the Lord. We fellowship with them. But yet, as soon as we see where we are becoming more like them instead of them like us, we have to go, I can't tolerate that any longer. I can promise you, it, if, it never would have happened. But if Jesus would have begun to act like the sinners that he hung out with, he would not have hung out with them. There are times in your life where you are going to be mature enough to bring somebody in, whether it's to your house, into your life, into your circle, into your faith five, whatever it is, you're going to bring them into there and you are going to bring them up to that place where the Lord has led you and where the Lord is leading them. Great job. But there are going to be times where you're going to have to go. It's not you, man. It's me. I'm not strong enough. I'm not mature enough. I'm not, I'm not where I thought I was with the Lord. And so for that reason, I really need to be able to just put a little bit of distance between us. And once again, it, 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 and it really is not them because they're lost. That's how they're supposed to act. It's me because I'm not mature enough to not slip into the way that I talk. You know, I, I, I work another job as a, a construction guy. And, and I mean, you, you can imagine, I know we got construction guys here. You can imagine the, the vast array of words. It's like I, knew a, I, I hear a new cuss word every day. And you're like, I didn't even know that existed. Like, where, where are y'all coming up with these things, you know? It's like, man, are you like a two or three word combo? You're like, man, I never, you know, but it's like, <laughs> it's like at some point, I have to make sure that I never slip down to, to that because my choice of companions shapes my, my character. Choose people that are trustworthy and dependable, constant and stable, loyal and dedicated, proven and firmly established, that are honorable. honorable. Choosing the right people to surround ourselves with will provide the support and accountability that we need. Have you noticed, Tim, like sometimes we don't choose those people on purpose? You're like, I don't want to be around them. They're going to tell me how it, how it really is. You know, they, they, they drive you nuts, and you're like, man, just let me, let's just be real for, you know, like, and it's like, no, that's not who you are. You know, there, there's a story in Exodus chapter 17 where, where they're, they're in battle, and Moses is, is standing up on the hill, and I, I believe it's Joshua that's leading them out in battle, and it says that Moses is there, and it says as long as his arms are raised, his armies were victorious. His arms got tired, and they, they dropped down, and and I, I believe it's the Amalekites. They, they begin to overtake. I could be wrong on that. Exodus 17. You can fact check me. Text me that I was wrong. Right? I didn't, I didn't plan to say it. So this is all off the hip right here. Right? So as soon as they has put his arms down, then, then the Amalekites begin to overtake. And so you, you have Aaron and her that come alongside Moses and, and hold his hands up. And the Israelites are victorious. And what I'm saying to you is that you need to examine who you're hanging around with. Do you have people that are pulling your arms down or do you have ones that are holding your hands up? Those are the people that you need to be, be surrounding yourself with. And I know sometimes those are difficult conversations, right? Like, oh, hey, it's not you, it's me, right? You know, that, that's tough to say. It's tough to, to cut ties with a relationship. But what, what do you value more? That relationship or the peace that come with walking in the, in the Obedience to the Lord. Last verse right here. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all the evildoers from the Lord's city. Now, y'all are like, now he's talking. 
That's some Democrats, isn't it? You know, that's what y'all are thinking right now. You got that in your head. No way. Every morning, I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all the evildoers from the Lord's city. I think the key right there is every morning. When I fall, when I, when I fail, when I fall short, you can't let one slip up, one wrong turn cause you to take five years to get back to where you were. One wrong turn. All it takes is a couple of right turns to get right back where you're supposed to be. But instead, we take one wrong turn and we're like, oh, I failed. I'm miserable. I'm going to always stick with this. And so we keep doing all the things that we know that we're not supposed to be doing, all the things we've been set free from. We, we allow one wrong turn, one slip up then to cost us five, ten years of freedom. What I'm saying is right here, it says, every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, wiping out all the evildoers of the city. Don't let that happen. His mercies are new every morning. You fell. You're going to fail. Jeff's going to fail. We're going to mess up, screw up. We're going to do it. But you know what? Tomorrow I have an opportunity to wake up and say, I will sing of your faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to the Lord. I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity in my house. Right? I have Every morning I have the opportunity to do that. Are we going to choose to do that? So to wrap up this incredibly long message, or too long of a message maybe, can, you, can we commit to this Psalm 101 and go, man, I, I, want, I want to live a life of holiness and integrity. All those things that he's saying, man, I, I want that to be me. Can I say, is there anything in your personal life, in your private life that needs to be redeemed? Everything that's done in secret will be brought to the light. And you don't get to choose when that light gets turned on. That sucks. You know? Everything done in secret will be revealed in the proper time. And so, an opportunity is to go, hey, this is going on in my private life and I want to repent of it. Is there anything that you've set before your eyes that's worthless, that's not profitable? Is there any area of your life where dishonesty is ruling and reigning? Are your conversations honoring to others? Who have you surrounded yourself with? Do you need to remove anyone? Do you need to add anyone? Those are all the questions that I've been asking myself this week. I didn't like half the answers that I gave. Because it's so convicting. But he convicts not to judge, but to restore. I cannot be who I'm supposed to be, and I'm not there yet. I'm so far from it. But I cannot be who I'm supposed to be without being restored by him, without repenting without changing my ways, without living a life of holiness, integrity, and godliness. Our actions, attitudes, and choices matter to God. And a life characterized by integrity brings glory to God and blesses those around us. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, if the Holy Spirit revealed anything to you, just respond to it. At the end of service, if you're like, 
okay, hey, the Holy Spirit told me this. You just want to come talk to somebody, you're free to talk to, to me. Uh, Brady's back there. We have Pastor Mike in the back. We'd love to just talk with you if the Lord's leading you in that. So I'm going to pray, and the Holy Spirit's going to do what he does. Father, we just come before you today. Thank you for your word, that every word is true. Father, this vow of integrity, this commitment to holiness and godliness. Father, may it not just be for David, but may it be for every Christ follower in here today. Father, may we live lives that reflect who you are. Father, we thank you for the grace and the mercy that when we do fall short, there's more grace there than there is sin. Covers it fully and completely. There's new mercies every morning. Holy Spirit, we just give you this, this word in our hearts and say, whatever you have to say, whatever you want to bring about, I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to return back to you. So I want you to just take a few seconds, eyes closed. Any of those questions, anything that the Holy Spirit spoke to you? Father, we love you. We thank you that you are good and you are faithful to us, that your love endures forever. Father, may we live lives of holiness, of godliness, and of, of integrity. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, a couple of announcements before you go get your kiddos. First one is family nights here starting September the 6th. We will have uh, worship together. And then we will split off. We'll have uh, things for the youth, things for the kids, things for the adults. Starting September the 6th. Starts at 6.30. I don't think that's on there, but it starts at 6.30. Uh, love to have you guys for that. Second one is there should be a volleyball night in the afternoon from 3 to 6 in September. I'm thinking it's not going to be as warm as it has been. I'm, maybe we're just praying into this. But uh, please come. Uh, it's a great way to just get to know us or, you know, you're like, hey, man, I really like them. Or like some people have found out Jeff's a little intense with volleyball, and I don't think I like him as much as I thought I did, you know. And so I do like volleyball. Uh, third one is, look how plain that is. I, I do feel like there needs to be a disclaimer. There are no pine trees at the camp out, all right. So, uh <laughs> There are a few mesquites. So, uh, but so every year we, we partner with our other campus, Brock, for a couple of events. One is we have like a, a picnic in the spring here. We have a fall camp out, and then we do like Christmas Eve services and stuff together. So this is the camp out. There are obviously going to be more details. Don't, that's not a map or anything. You won't, you find that, that won't get you where we're going, okay? But I just want you to put that on the calendar, October 6th through the 8th, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The one thing that is different with us and Brock, Brock does Sunday services there. We will still have our regular Sunday service here. So October 6th, 7th, and 8th, it's a Friday night, all day Saturday and Sunday, which for us will be here. Or you can go there. If you go there, you can stay Sunday. We're not care. We don't care about that. Uh, There'll be more details later. And then also, uh, Miss Anna has been leading a women's Bible study, but she has figured out that it is incredibly hot. So we're going to wait until a little bit later in the fall, and we will resume that. So we'll have more details about that. So if you've been going to that, 
Don't show up tonight unless you want to be incredibly hot in there by yourself. So love you guys. Thank you. Go get your kids. Oh, man.